So today, I want to talk about choices. I want to talk about choices. Specifically, I want to talk about the next choice. Everybody say next choice. choice. I want to talk about the next choice. Researchers estimate that the average adult makes about 35,000 remotely conscious decisions every day. Here's something interesting. About 226 of those are about food. Does that sound about right? Would you say about 225-ish times a day you're thinking about food? I don't know. Sounds about right for me, uh, I guess. Now, of course, we don't, uh, we don't feel like we make that many choices every day. Like they, they are happening on just a subconscious level. You don't think that you're deciding to turn left out of your driveway in the morning. You just turn left. You don't think to put deodorant on. You just put deodorant on. I hope that you just put deodorant on. You don't think about it. Um, it's just kind of these decisions in our life that are on autopilot. But somewhere around 35,000 times a day, your brain is making a decision, whether you, whether you realize it or not. And your brain is working very hard to not have to work very hard. So as, as often as your brain is able to kind of slot something, like this is what they do, this is the choice that they make, then it's going to slot it in that autopilot kind of cruise control so that it won't have to work as hard. Now here's where it gets a little challenging, maybe a little personal for us, is that probably a large number of us would say, I don't totally love my life right now. I mean, I don't, I don't love my life. It's not awful, but I don't love it. Um, I don't totally love my job. I don't, uh, I'm not completely in love with my spouse. I, I don't love where I live. Maybe you'd say, I don't feel close to God anymore. I don't really have a lot of good friends. I don't have enough money. I guess it could be worse, but it could be a lot better too, and, and I don't love it. And what happens to us is because our brain is working to get us on autopilot is when we are in the middle of our misery, we can feel powerless. We feel like we don't have a choice. I mean, yeah, Jason, I don't love my job, and I have to have a paycheck, right? So I go. I don't love my house, but I mean, I got to pay my mortgage, so I do that. I mean, you know, I, I, nobody wants to be my friend or I'd have more friends. There are these feelings that we have where we're dissatisfied, but we also feel powerless to do anything about it because it feels like we don't have a choice. And our patterns and our, and our choices are so ingrained in who we are that when we don't like who we are or where we are, we kind of convince ourselves, tell me if this isn't true, we kind of convince ourselves that we are just one of the unlucky ones. We lost the lottery. You know, we lost the love lottery. You know, we, we lost the, the money lottery. We lost the talent lottery. We lost the DNA lottery. And we look at other people or other situations and we say, see, I mean, they have it, but I don't. And this is especially true in, in our faith, right? So we, we come to church or we are a part of something religious and we look around and, and we, we say, well, you know, some people just have a lot of faith. I don't have a lot of faith. And I guess if God wanted me to have big faith, he would give it to me. Or we say, we say you know, I'm just not good at reading the Bible. I mean, there are people who are good at reading the Bible. I'm not one of those people. I've tried to pray, but I'm just not good at prayer. And there are people who are good at prayer, but I'm not one of those, I'm not one of those people. 
There are people who just connect. You know, they just connect with people. But I'm not one of those people. And the more we say these things and think these things, the more that we feel powerless to make a choice. Now, I've been in church my whole life. And I've been at this church for 14 years. And overwhelmingly, I can tell you that the people who grow in their relationship with Jesus connect and grow in their relationships with people in the church, the people who become leaders in the church, I I can tell you overwhelmingly the, the people who do those things are the people who choose to try to grow, try to connect, and try to become leaders of some kind. They didn't just win a lottery. They didn't just get lucky. At some point in the process, they made a choice. I want to grow. I want to connect. I want to do something different. And if I were to ask you today, do you want to connect? Anybody interested in connecting with good people who you know care about you? I think everybody in the room would say, yeah, that's me. If I asked you, do you want to feel closer to God? Anybody want to feel closer to God? You'd be like, yeah, I want to feel closer to God. If I asked you, do you want to know that you're making a difference, that your life is, is, is doing good, you're making a difference in someone's life, that your effort matters, you'd say, yes, yeah, I want to do that. But those things just don't happen. They, they don't just happen by accident. They are the results of the choices that we make. So, so that's what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about... Making the choice, everybody say choice, making the choice to grow, to to connect, to feel like your life matters, to feel like you're making a difference. And by the time we're done today, just so you know, I I totally have an agenda, just so you know, like I I got an agenda. By the time we're done today, I want to help you take the next step in your spiritual journey, in your faith. I want to help you take your next step. Now, what's, what's great about next steps is that your next step is going to be different probably than my next step. My next step is probably going to be different from somebody else's next step. So there, we're, we're not all going to take the same step, but we all have a step that we can take. And so that's what I want to try to do. I want to try to help you to take your next step, your next spiritual step. Step. So to do this, we are going to read two, just two verses uh, in the Bible today, and um, it's on your sermon guide. Hopefully you got one of those when you came in. You can grab that. There are page numbers on there, and there's a Bible either underneath the seat in front of you or uh, in the seat where you're at, and I'd love for you to, to, to read along with us. And the first verse that we're going to read today is in a really small book of the New Testament, in, 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 towards the back, almost in the very end. So like if you're ever just kind of like, if you're one of those people, you, you find books of the Bible by like starting at the back and just kind of flipping the pages, you pass it every time. Like you don't, you, it's too quick. You can't stop in time. It's towards the very end. It's a book called First Peter. And, and even though it's only one verse, it's a, it's, a, it's a really important verse because what Peter, he, the famous disciple Peter, he wrote the book, what He's going to tell us is something that we forget sometimes. This is what he's going to tell us. Look at this. That our choices are either hurting me or helping me. It's so simple, but so easy to forget. That my choices, all of them, 35,000 of them every day, 
My choices are either hurting me or helping me. And what Peter's going to say is this. You can experience all of God or you can experience very little of God. Good news, it's up to you. It's your choice. So, so let's just read this, this one verse together. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. This is what it says. It says, like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you will grow into a full experience of salvation. Now, at first, this can sound a little strange. This is uh, uh, talking about nursing and milk and all that, so that can be a little bit strange. But this is a really powerful analogy because the Bible says that when someone commits their life to Jesus Christ, the, the phrase that it uses, the Bible, is born again. The Bible says, John 3 and a couple other different places, the Bible says that, that, that committing your life to Christ is not the process of you know, being bad and then becoming good or being old and becoming young or you know, improving, but that committing your life to Jesus is the process of becoming a brand new person. And, and the brand new person, the way the Bible describes it, is that you're born again, that you literally are, are like starting your life over. You're the same age, earthly age, but that you have a brand new heart. You're a brand new person. You are an infant in Christ. You are a baby in Christ. You are a child in, in Christ. And just like, I've, I've had four of them. I, I think I know a little bit about it. Just like a, a new child, spiritually speaking, when we commit our lives to Jesus Christ, we have to, to learn how to talk. We have to learn how to walk. We have to learn how to get along with others, right? So, so as brand new Christians, we have to learn to grow in Christ. Well, how do we do that? Well, he tells us, we grow when we are fed and, 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 and if we'll crave God things, if we will crave and desire God things, spiritual things, then we will experience the full experience, the full experience of salvation. And that, that little phrase there, full experience, is, is so interesting. It's what really stands out to me in this short little verse. Because all of us love the full experience. We love it. I got so many friends who, who are just all in on the Disney vacation thing. And uh, I've been to Disney uh, three times, once as a child, two times as an adult, taking my kids. And, and, but but the, the two times we've gone, we've been kind of passing through. We were going somewhere else. And so we just stopped by for a day and, uh, and just went for a day and took the kids in. And it was good. Don't get me wrong. Don't get me wrong. It was good. It wasn't magical. Okay? It was good. It wasn't magical. But I got so many friends who are like, oh, oh no, no, you're doing it all wrong. No, you're doing it all wrong. If you're, here, here's what they tell me. If you're going to do it, I mean, you got to do it. You got to go all out. I mean, you got you to gotta do the full week. You, you got to stay on the property. You got you to gotta book. Some of y'all are like, mm-hmm, that's right. Like, you never amen my sermons. Right now, you were like, yes, amen, right? <laughs> you you, you got to eat at the restaurants. You know, somebody told me, just go ahead and pay for the tour guide. Like, do it. And they say, if, in order to really love it, you got to get the full experience. You got, you got to get the full experience. You can't just stop through there for a day. You, you can't do that. You got to get the, the full experience. 
Football season's about to start. A lot of season ticket holders in the room. I've met you. I've talked to you. 7 p.m. kickoff. You don't get to the game 6.55. No. 7 p.m. kickoff at 10 a.m. <laughs> Rolling in there with your truck. Tailgating. Drinking, you know, water and, and Coke and Sprite and things like that. You are getting your cornhole boards out. Because it's not just about a football game. You don't want to just go to a football game. You want to get the full experience. I would be willing to bet right now that you do not have like a 24-inch TV hanging in your living room. I'd be willing to bet. Maybe. It's probably in the kids' room, right? I would be willing to bet you got like a 40, maybe 50, maybe 60. Some of y'all may have like a projector, like right? And you just, it's just... Why? You probably got some surround sound, got the subs. I don't just want to watch the movie. I want the couch to shake. Right? Why? Because it's not just about the movie. It's about the full experience. We all want the full experience. We appreciate the full experience. We're willing to pay more for the full experience. Peter tells us here that we can get the full experience of salvation. The full experience of salvation. That salvation is not just a one-time thing. Now, we know that salvation is a gift from God. We know we can take no credit for it, that, that we can't earn it. We did nothing to get saved but confess our sin and, and, and ask Jesus to forgive us and to save us. We can only be saved because of Jesus, the grace of God to even compel us to want to be saved, that, 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 that that's all Jesus. But salvation is not just a, a one-time moment. Salvation is about a changed life. It's not the, the, the end of anything. It's the start of something. And so Peter wants us to know this. This is a, this is a great takeaway. That Jesus makes me right with God, but my choices help me experience God. That Jesus makes me right with God. I can't do anything. I, I, I don't have any control over that. I can't take any credit for the fact that Jesus makes me right with God. But it would seem to mean to me that Peter's saying, like, you could commit your life to Jesus but never experience God. Because you don't make the choice to get the full experience. So, so Jesus makes me right with God. But it's my choices that help me to experience God. Evidently, we can choose to either have the full experience of salvation or, or the, or the non-full experience. And I don't know about you, but I want the full experience. Anybody else should say, I want the full experience. Now, I want to just read one more verse to you real quick before we get really practical. And it's in 1 Corinthians. It's, uh, it's a different author. It's Paul who wrote this one in 1 Corinthians. And it's, it's also on your sermon guide. But chapter 3, and, and the reason I'm reading this to you is because it's another example of when an author in the Bible used this analogy of babies and milk, which is a, what, a, what a random theme on this, you know, service. But but babies and milk. And so it's in, it's in chapter 3. And uh, I said one verse. It's actually two verses. Just the first two verses of 1 Corinthians chapter 3, this is what it says. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, 
When I was with you, I couldn't talk to you as I would to spiritual people. I had to talk as though you belonged to this world or as though you were, here it is, infants in Christ. I had to feed you with milk, not with solid food. Why? Because you weren't ready for anything stronger. And here's the last little mic drop. And you still aren't ready. Just in case you were wondering, he, he wants them to know. So this is another example of this idea that when we commit our life to Jesus, we are born again like a new infant. And, and hear me, it's okay to be an infant, but it's not okay to be childish. Difference? If you've got, if you've got children, you don't, you're not upset at your children for being babies when they're babies. But it is kind of frustrating when they're not babies anymore but they act like babies. There's a difference between being an infant and being childish. And, and, what, and what Paul is saying here is like, I came to you and, and I wanted to, to go a little deeper. I wanted us to be able to have some, some real deep connection. I wanted to be able to teach you some, some, some extra things, really kind of go there with you, but I couldn't because <laughs> y'all a bunch of babies. Like I, 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 couldn't, I couldn't go there. I couldn't do that. Because you have, for whatever reason, he's saying to them, for whatever reason, like, you've just decided to stop after the conversion. It's like, well, I'm saved. And so you just, maybe you got saved 10 years ago, but you're, but you're not a 10-year Christian. You're just a one-year Christian 10 times. It would be the equivalent of, of just celebrating your first birthday over and over and over and over and over again. And he's like, man, I want to, like, teach you how to ride a bike, you know? but you're still wearing diapers. Like, I want to I wanna teach you how to throw a ball, but you're, you won't walk, you're crawling. And he's saying, like, spiritually speaking, like, let's grow up. Let's grow up. Let's grow in Christ so we can have this full experience. And remember, remember what we said. Come on, let's look at it one more time. Jesus makes me right with God. Thank you, Jesus, for making me right with God. But my choices, my choices... Help me experience God. Growth is a choice. Progress is a choice. Improvement is a choice. But you probably already knew that, right? You probably already knew, and you probably don't even disagree with me. Here's the tricky part. How do we make the choice to do the things we know we need to do in order to grow closer to God but we don't really feel motivated to do them. I mean, that's really a question, right? Like, I know I need to read my Bible. I gotta be honest with you, I, I'd rather sleep in. I know I need to pray, but like, it's boring. So I know what I need to do. I know the choice that I need to make, but I don't feel motivated to make it. And what do we do with that? I wanna go back just really quickly to 1 Peter Chapter 2, and I want to just show you one word. Look at this with me. He says, like newborn babies, you must, here's the word, crave. Everybody say crave. crave. He says, you've got to crave. Like, you've got to have a desire to want this. And so you're like, yeah, I know. That's the problem. I don't crave it. I don't, I don't have this burning desire inside of me to, like, really grow in Christ. I, I don't want to wake up. 
I don't want to stop hooking up with people. I don't want to like stay in on Saturday night so I'm not late to church, like the 1130 service. I know I'm late, but like I don't want to go you know, to bed on Saturday night. I don't crave it. And, and, and so we have this tension inside of us. But I, I want to challenge that idea today. I want to challenge that idea that, that if, if we don't crave it, that, that somehow we're out of luck. Because remember what I said at the very beginning? That when we are not where we want to be and we're not totally in love with where we are, who we are, we feel powerless. Well, see, Jason, I mean, if I was supposed to, like, do this stuff, like, wouldn't God make me want to do it? If I was supposed to be doing better, wouldn't God make me do better? I want to I challenge that powerless feeling with, with this big idea for our time together. That cravings are created. Cravings are created. And you've probably never thought of it like this before, but you don't crave something you've never experienced. I've never smoked a cigarette in my life. I'm not, I'm not like bragging. I'm not saying you're bad, I'm good, whatever. I'm just saying I've never smoked one. Can I tell you what I've never craved in my life? A cigarette. I don't know what it's like. I, I mean, I don't, I'm just, I never have. I could give you lots of other examples of things. I've just never experienced them, right? If you've never eaten a Krispy Kreme donut, you may be curious, but you don't crave a Krispy Kreme donut. Y'all be praying for Pastor Joe. He told me the other day he wouldn't even like Krispy Kreme that much, so we're reevaluating his employment. Um, just be praying for him. It's our experience with something that causes us to crave something, right? And I've experienced this firsthand uh, recently. It's probably going to come as a shock to you, I don't know. But about four weeks ago, I ate a salad for the first time in my life. I'm just, yeah. First applause I've got the whole sermon right there. I don't know about that. I, I, I ate, a, I ate a, a salad for the first time in my life. It's a true story. And um, I had never eaten a salad before, but I had also never weighed less than the year before. And so I thought, well, I got to make a choice here. And so I'm going to, I said to Andrea, I got to start eating a salad. Got to try this. And, uh, and so that's what I did. So we, we, I, I tried a salad. I, can I be honest with you? It was terrible. I don't, know, I don't know if you know this. Maybe you know this, but if not, this will help you. You know you're just eating plants, right? I don't know if you know that or not. But it's just like leaves and stuff. I don't, anyway. So, but I would have people say to me, they would say like, oh, I just love a good salad. Oh, I just, oh, I just need a salad. And I'm like, you need a salad? Like, it's just a plant, it's just a leaf. It's like a, you know. So it wasn't very good, but I knew I needed it. So the next day, two days in a row, we're creating a habit here. Another salad. Still awful. Just terrible. Three days in a row, another salad. And it wasn't awful, but it was pretty bad. And, and, and so this is what's happening. Like, I, don't, I don't like it, but I feel like I need to do it. Maybe you felt that way before about exercise or running or prayer or reading the Bible or coming to church or whatever. I'm going to do it. But then something happened on day four. The Fuji apple salad from Panera. That's what happened. 
That's what happened. I'm talking about I customized that. I put some, I, the chicken was already in there, but then you got the apple chips, and then I just I added some bacon because you got to add the bacon. Then we did some, some cheese, obviously, was on there. Then we did some almonds that were in there, and, and, I, and I, something happened. I took a bite of the Fuji apple salad, and something in my brain went, this is it. We found it. We found it. And I ate that whole salad. I went back the next day and ordered the exact same thing. The Fuji apple salad again. And, and, and now it's been four weeks and there's been a lot of, we've gone over budget on the eating out at the Isaacs because of just a lot of Fuji apple salads. And can I tell you now, four weeks in, what happens in my mouth at 11.15 a.m. most days? Crave it. Crave it. Hated it. Never really experienced it. Never really craved it before. Started craving it. Started craving it. Same thing happened to me with water. Uh, several years ago, five, six years ago, uh, the, a friend of mine was helping me, and he's like, man, you've got to start drinking water. I'm like, I can't do it. I'm sorry. I, it's disgusting. I don't know how people drink water like Mountain Dew. Like, that's what I'm drinking. And uh, he's like, listen, just sip it. Just, just put it in a, in a bottle. Just sip it. I mean, just... Just sip it. Just, I don't care if it takes you all day to drink it, just sip it. I'm like, okay. So just for like two weeks, I'm just like, I mean, just sipping that thing, just stank face, just, oh, God. Like, I don't know how people do it. But two weeks later, I'm driving down the interstate, and this thought crosses my mind. You know what would be amazing right now? Just a big old glass of ice water. I don't know where it came from. I never had that thought before. But now, all I drink is water. Like, it's what I want. I, I drink something else, and I'm like, whoa, that's strong. That burn going down right there. Like, I don't, right? Water. Like, I, I want it. So I, I could keep going. I could tell you about running. I used to be one of those guys who make fun of people who pay to run in races. Like, wait, you pay them to run in a race? You know what I've done three times now? Paid to run in a race. I've, I've run 35 miles this month, humble brag right there, just wanted to throw that out there, and uh, I come home from work, and I'm like, I just need to go for a run, and I never thought that before, but I continued to experience something and began to experience the benefits, and my body began to say to me, yeah, 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 that thing, that day, let's keep doing that. Let's keep doing that. You create your cravings. And listen, right now, if you're craving something bad for you, if you're craving something bad for your spiritual life, it's because you started slow at first, but then your experience with something sinful created a craving, which is a whole other sermon, but that's one of the reasons sin is so bad and dangerous. Not just because it's going against God, but because usually in the beginning it's amazing. And your body's like, yeah, let's do that some more. And then you wake up one day and you say, I don't want to do that no more. And your body's like, why? It's awesome. Until it runs its course. You, an experience, it creates a craving. And so Peter says, if you will create the craving for spiritual things, you will experience the full experience of salvation. But you may just have to sip it for a little while. 
you may have to like join a growth group, but that one's not what you thought it would be, but then you joined another one, but then you joined another one, but then you found the Fuji Apple growth group. And you're like, oh, this is what everybody's talking about. But you got to create the, the, the craving. Now, I, I, I have explained all this because I want to challenge you to take your next step, your spiritual next step at Hope City Church. And our, our mission and our, our passion is to create a place where people can experience the, the real hope. And, and, and real hope comes from a life committed to Jesus, but it doesn't stop once you raise your hand. It starts once you raise your hand. I know that so many of you love this church. You tell us. And I know specifically that so many of you love the church services. You say, oh, I just love the music. I love the songs. You're, you're kind. Maybe you're lying to me, but you say, oh, I love the messages. I love the, I love the sermons. And listen, I love that you love it because we work really hard at it. It's a passion of ours to create services that people love to attend. We want you to love it. But that's not the full experience of Hope City Church. It's just a service. And it's definitely not the full experience of salvation. Coming to church is not the full experience of salvation. There's more. But in order to experience the full experience of Hope City Church and the full experience of your salvation, you're going to have to take a step. You're going to have to take a step. So, so just a few moments left. I, I want to talk to you about what possibly might be your next step. And when you came into your service Today, you should have gotten one of these cards, and I would like for you to take it out at the top. It just says, next step on it. And we've provided seven potential next steps for you, and I'm actually going to throw another one in there that's not on the card. But I, I, I would love to just, for just, just a moment more, to try to help you take your next step Maybe different from mine, maybe different from the person you're sitting beside, but it's your next step. And so let, let's, just, let's just go over these uh, for just a moment. Maybe for you, your first next step is to come back to church next week. And that one's not on the card. You don't have to check anything about that one. But maybe you're a guest, or maybe you've come a week or two or three, and you're like, you know what? I don't know if I believe in God. I'm not even sure about all this, but I like it. Don't let it be eight weeks, 10 weeks, 14 weeks before you make it back. Maybe the next step for you is just come back next week. Maybe that's your next step. But let's look, let's look at another one. Maybe, maybe the next step for you is to commit your life to Jesus Christ. Maybe, maybe you're listening to this or watching this right now, and you would say, you know, I've been coming. I do love this place. I do love these people. But I have not had a moment in my life where I know that I asked Jesus to be in charge. Maybe, maybe 20, 30 years ago, like the hope story we saw, maybe I made some type of something happen or whatever. I don't even know exactly how to explain it. But, but I have never, I mean, I've been around church maybe my whole life. Maybe I haven't. But I know I need a moment where I say, you know what, I'm committing my life to you, Jesus. Maybe that's your next step. And, and I can't think of a better next step than committing your life to Jesus Christ. That's what it's all about. We exist so people can experience real hope. 
for real life. And so maybe for you, and, and in just a few moments at the end of our service, Pastor Joe or Pastor Jono, our campus pastors will come. They're going to give you a chance to do that. We would love to lead you in that uh, next step. But let me, let me show you another one. Maybe for you, your next step is to be water baptized. Maybe it's to be water baptized. You would say, you know what, I, I, I'm, I've given my life to Jesus Christ, but, but I've never t- taken it public and, and been baptized. Our next baptism is August the 25th, and, and we'd love to get you signed up for that or to be a part of that. But let me, let me show you another one. Maybe your next step is to attend launch class. You're like, I don't need to go to that. I think I know what it says, or I don't need to go to that. I've been a part of other churches. I know what's going on. I would encourage you, go to launch class. It's the best next step for you to get more connected to Hope City Church. Let me show you another one. Maybe your next step is to to join a growth group, lead a a growth group. We had new groups starting on September the 9th. Maybe that's your next step. You say, yeah, I I want to, to join a group. I've been hearing people talk about it, but I've never taken that step. Or maybe I tried it, but it wasn't that good. Like you just hadn't found the Fuji Apple group yet, right? Just keep going. And you will, that's starting. Maybe you've been in a group. You say, you know what? I think it's time for me to lead a group. I'm a little scared by that, but maybe it's time for me to do that. Let me give you another one. Maybe your next step is to serve on a hope team. I want to know I'm making a difference. I want to know that that my life is is mattering and, and, and I'm helping someone out. We'd love to help you with that. Last one is this. Maybe for you, your next step is to start giving or tithing. And I put this one last because honestly, in my experience, this is usually the hardest one for people to, to take, the hardest step for people to take. I can't, I don't have the money or I, don't, I, I can't figure it out. We would love to help you figure out how to take this next step. And listen, we don't want anything from you. We want something for you. We don't need your money. God doesn't need your money, but you need to give God your money because of what will happen in your life. And so I don't know where you fall on this list and where you are, but I'm going to challenge you to take this card and to check one. You only get to check one. That's going to drive you crazy, some of y'all I know. It's next step. It's not next steps. It's next step. I just want you to check one. What is your next step? And then I want you to fill out the information at the bottom Name, email, phone number. And here's, I just want to be up front with you and tell you what's going to happen. One of our pastors is going to follow up with you. They'll either send you an email, maybe a text. If you want to talk on the phone, they would, they would do that with you too. But they're going to follow up just so you know what's going to happen, all right? You're going to get a follow-up from one of our pastors just so we can help you, talk to you, answer any questions, just so we can help you take that step.